got some mail delivered today. Some some mail or some, some, some physical mail? Some mail. Some physical mail in my mailbox. I put on... This is completely irrelevant, but I always find it hilarious that Apple calls the mail app mail because it like... <laughs> I, I know it'd be weird if they called it the email app, but it's always like, oh, just go to mail. Because like, mm. <laughs> in, I mean, in the UK, like mail isn't even a thing, right? Because uh, it's like, you know, we get the post. It comes in the oh. post or it comes in the letters. Yeah. And, and so just saying, you know, the mail app's like, weirdly unlocalized like apple apple a couple of years ago changed the mac os trash to the mac os bin in britain but it's still the mail say, yeah you, you've got a dispatch for your cart or yeah or, or, or <laughs> no way is is dispatch order and then what's your cart is it something else? basket basket there we go yeah 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 so. and instead of when instead of saying shipped it says dispatched yeah so i received something in the post today <laughs> in, my, in my post box we have post offices P.O. boxes, which are post office boxes. Uh, but I got some 9 to 5 Mac merch, which we mentioned a couple weeks ago that Ooh. there's now a store for that. The website is 9to5mac.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. And um, no one's paying me to say that. I don't get anything from the revenue, from the, from the sales. I just think it's cool. Someone does. Don't know who, but probably, probably the business. But uh, yeah, I got uh, three shirts. One has the Happy Hour podcast artwork, including... Um, some 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 play buttons, so that's pretty cool. One has the nine to five Mac clock, and another has uh, iPods, iPod classics, I'd say, with the uh, the clock as the, the the click wheel, and then four um, four show artworks, including a happy hour, and uh, and then I have a nine to five Mac onesie for my soon to be newborn niece or nephew. We'll find out uh, within the next two weeks. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's really good stuff. And our colleague, Jeff Benjamin, um, from nine to five max YouTube channel has, I think a really nice hoodie. So, um, if you haven't yet go and order, there's no, there's no deadline. You won't make it for Christmas. I don't think, but, um, you will make it for, for the new year. Well, for, for yeah, I, I ordered the, uh, the play button one with the happy hour logo on it. Uh, cool. But cool. It, hasn't, it hasn't arrived yet, but that one looks, I like that one. That one's cool. Yeah. I like it's through, it's through cotton bureau. So, you know, it's good. And then also that, that allows you to take like a design and then change the color of the shirt or the style or take it from a shirt to a sweatshirt or a zip up hoodie. So, um, I, I like that a lot. And there's also not just nine to five Mac, but, um, my beloved space explored, um, has, has merged on the same store as well. So, uh, I, I, <laughs> I ordered, you know, like I said, I ordered a, a good bit in the nine to five Mac initial run. And, um, so next month I think I'll order some space export merch and represent that as well. But, uh, yeah, check it out. There's, there's also uh, toys and Google. So more stuff there to check out. Um, from that, I want to go into part two of my photos story from last week. Yeah. Cause it'll be neatly tied up and resolved, right? Yeah. You know, the emoji with, uh, you know, the distressed face and like a sweat coming, sweat tear coming down, and then the blue on the top, it's just like really panicky. Um, that is the placeholder for this this topic in our notes. Um, we we had a good ep- topic last week. We talked about the importance of backing up, of, of making a a clone of your whole library, and not just on like one drive, but on another, and just really doing it. And um, you know, I and how Apple was kind of dropping the ball a bit on iCloud photo backup because time machine doesn't work if you're not if you unless you're downloading originals but if you've got a massive if you've got a massive photo library you don't want to be downloading originals but you kind of have to if you want to do yeah. a backup like that's a whole mess yeah so so i definitely took that to heart and um proceeded to 
take my drive with my my actual like comprehensive photo library of you know thirty eight thousand photos, three thousand videos, and say, okay, I'm just gonna plug this in, use a system library, use iCloud Photos, download the originals to this Mac, and what will happen, I believe, is that these photos will upload. And I knew in the back of my head that what I really needed to do was what we discussed in the episode, which was make a copy of that hard drive before I begin that process of, you know, hope this uploads correctly. (laughs) And I didn't because I was lazy. um, And, and I I did have storage in hand, just like packed away in the top of a closet that I could have gotten down and, and done the right thing with, but I didn't. And so, um, I, 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 you know, connected it and did the process and thought, okay, well, pretty, you know, eventually, I think it might have mentioned even that, like, you know, I wasn't seeing the photos yet on my phone, but they were at least on the Mac. Um, and, and we just figured it's just, you know, a process of either uploading or matching. Uh, and then a couple of days later, I looked at my 38,000 photo library and 3,000 video library, and the numbers were reduced to 31,089 videos. So um, that was concerning. Ouch. And this was the point where I had not yet done the smart thing that we discussed and made a copy of the good data on another drive. I, I was just being lazy and hoping that it was just going to work this time. You were too trusting in the service that had already messed up for you the week before. When, again, and we should reiterate, like the first time around, you did something that was a bit off off yeah. the beaten track, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. For, you know, day to day, most people will just use iCode Photo Library their entire life and not have any issue. Uh, but yeah, if you go off the if you go off the path, sometimes you can hit these like weird corner cases, and there's not a good escape hatch as you're you're finding out on an increasingly regular basis. <laughs> yeah, in this case, I don't feel like it was too far off the beaten path because it was literally just like, here's a photo library. I want this to be my photo library. It's um, you know, it's it's forty three thousand items compared to two hundred on this on my phone that isn't even using iCloud Photos. But what what the behavior was is that um, iCloud sees the uh, canonical library as the 200 photo library and um, or, or maybe zero I don't know and it's and it's syncing it's taking days to sync to zero and so what I did then was just you know obviously unplug it and make it make a backup of it properly as I should have done the first time um, I did go through my closet and I found a time machine backup of my photo library that has the correct numbers as of last April. And I can browse that and see all of the thumbnails for every photo and video. But I, but if I open a video, it doesn't play, you know, and if I open a photo, it's lower, it's lower resolution. If it's not, you know, actually backed up, which go back, goes back to your point of if you're doing a time machine backup without local downloads, it's not actually backing up your data. Um, there is, uh, this, this, the, this, this, well, okay. A couple of things. The Apple support status so far is that, um, I'm awaiting to hear back from what does the iCloud server team say about, you know, what's possible. Cause at this point now there actually is data loss of most of the videos and, um, you know, 7,000 photos or so. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'm able to, well, I haven't rolled out being able to actually like find the things on drives, but I, but I've only found one drive that's got, you know, some version of the data, um, and then the last thing is there's this windows app called copy trans that I meant to mention last week. And 
It's not on the Mac, so I haven't tried it, and I don't have Windows installed on on my Mac right now. But um, what it claims to do is super sketchy. (laughs) But log in with your iCloud account and see what iCloud the server has of your data. (laughs) So, which is kind of what I'm asking, like Apple support to do. Like, you know, hey, you can see what I can't see. Is this recoverable or not? Um, But I I will wait to try that very dark path uh, only if Apple support says sorry. And at that point, it probably would mean that the app wouldn't be able to see either, but it would be like the last last ditch effort. Let me just compromise my entire cloud security and and see what's there. So so it's, again, on me because I didn't take our advice last week and, you know, make a proper backup of the known good data. But also, I, I, I said something I told you. I actually don't know how to resolve this issue, even if I had the good data right now. Um, I just have iCloud Photos turned off everywhere, <laughs> and I don't know how to to make my library anything but a but a but a vortex that just yeah you like, you don't in. you're just stuck now. You don't know what to do to actually even just start again. <laughs> right, right. Anything you switch on just starts sucking photos away. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a race to yeah, zero. It's a, you're in a bit of a bit of a quandary there about. Well, can I actually start using iCloud Photo again, even from you know from ground zero, or are they all just going to keep vanishing? Like, who even knows what the state of the thing is? So you re- you really do kind of need Apple support to give you like a this is what we you know this is what the server thinks the state of a library is, you know, before you can actually do anything else. Yeah, it's all over the place. I, I mean, I don't needle on you like about backups just because you know I'm not like, trying to be mean. Like, I have the exact same situation. I you know I'm only so proponent about it because we I've been burned before too. We had hours and hours of uh dvds of uh family videos that come from vhs's and mm-hmm. uh we moved house and they just got lost and we never had copies of them so they're just gone for good which is and this was like this is like pre-archived photo days which is why they weren't backed up onto that but we never got around to taking off the dvds and putting onto a drive you know because yeah all this stuff is so unwieldy as soon as you get into like the tens of gigabytes it's like what are you going to do with it all but and, and this is we're having like you know um NAS, you know, network tech storage where you can, mm-hmm. you know, we, we both use Synology where you can just throw a bunch of, um, you know, spinning hard drives with lots of terabytes of data um, at it. And, 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 th- but, but, but even then, like you use, you would need to schedule a time to copy the data manually from my cloud photo library um, from an external drive. If you were relying on, you know, local photos on an external drive to, to get that, because again, time machine wouldn't do it. Well, if you had it, if you had the drive attached to an always on Mac, but when you're using a notebook, then that's, that's tricky. So it's not, not pretty, not pretty. There are better yeah, ways. And like Apple doesn't offer like a time, like a iCloud photo client for the technology. So you can't install it on there and just have it download. That'd be another alternative to them actually offering like time capsule hardware. Like we speculated last week and mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, some of this is on Apple, but obviously a lot of it is on personal responsibility at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm in the I'm in the exact camp now where my, my brand new MacBook Pro currently isn't Time Machine backing up to anything because the Time Machine, I had a local, uh, just a, you know, one that I plugged into the Thunderbolt dock on my old laptop, but that was only 500 gigs and my new laptop's a terabyte. So, you know, I should really hot foot it and go get another terabyte drive to back up to or a two terabyte drive to back up to, but I just haven't got around to it. Now, luckily, my laptop uh, has nothing on it that is critical but i should still have the backup you know in case something went crazy and i just want to get up and going within a day rather than taking you know days and days to constitute everything back together but human nature is you're lazy and you don't do it but you know 
do what I say, not what I do. You know, like, yeah. I, I've been burned in the past. Everyone should do it. And I and I think my approach is generally like photos are truly irrecover- you know, irreplaceable and stuff. So yeah. that as the highest priority about of anything, we have the iCloud photo stuff backed up all over the shop. Um, my the rest of the stuff on my laptop, you know, I can I can re- recreate it if I really had to. So it's less of a it's less of a priority, but I should still do it. But yeah, like photos, everyone should have backups of their photos. iCloud Photos is great, and everyone should use that and pay for that if you have an i you know iPhones and you, and you do it that way, or if you want to use Google Photos, fine. But you also need a second like physical backup of some form as well, even though it's such a pain to organize, but it's just so important. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by BetterHelp. Do you feel strained or just not as happy as you do normally? Look, it's been a stressful couple of years. And, you know, with Omicron and everything, it's still not even... We're not we're not out onto the, onto the golden path yet. So if you're feeling down or if there's something just preventing you from achieving your goals, you might want someone to talk to who is trained about mental health and lifestyle. And BetterHelp is quite literally here to help from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp assesses your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailored to helping your personal well-being. Simply connect in a safe and crucially private online environment. You can start communicating to a therapist in under 48 hours, and this is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling done securely online, and you can access counsellors specialised in all sorts of areas like stress, anger, relationships, depression, sleep, and much more. You can start a conversation with your therapist at your convenience. You just send them a message, and they will respond in a timely basis, and you can schedule sessions like weekly video chats or personal phone calls if you want to. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid options are available. And of course, everything that you talk about is 100% private and confidential. So start living a happier life today as a listener to this show. You can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they're actually recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash machappyhour, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash machappyhour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh, Next up, we have a big update to the iPhone software, iOS 15.2. What is new in that version, Mayo? Yeah, this is obviously Apple's big software push for the end of the year. And it has a, a fair amount of interesting stuff in it. So first up, we've got obviously the Apple Music voice plan which <laughs> it's I mean, this is the thing where if you don't want to pay ten dollars a month for apple music you can spend five dollars a month and stream apple music only through siri control so the the headline is like the app experience is non-existent you can only do it through your voice obviously now as 15.2 has come out we'll be able to see for for real what the app experience is like but i mean it is mostly using your voice only and it's it's kind of funny. Like if you look at the um, like the interface of what you get if you're on the voice plan, if you open the music app, it has like these big tiles which are like here's different things you can ask Siri about to play music. Because I think Apple realizes that a lot of people aren't even trained. Like you know, part of the funny thing about this whole announcement is that the the introduction of the voice plan has just made people confused about whether they could talk to Siri for Apple Music before. And it's like I have to pay extra for it. It's like no, no, this is just a separate plan. <laughs> uh, but clearly, people don't do it in enough volume for the to be an ingrained thing so if you have the voice plan when you launch the music app there's just 15 different banners saying yeah you can actually ask siri to play this thing you can actually ask siri to do this but you can't like search your library or just search for music 
you can like see playlists but and it will show you like the playlist list in a visual ui in the phone app but you can't press the play button <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's like a nice little banner that just says say hello siri to start a request or just ask Siri to play this playlist or, you know, you can search for some music, but then it'll be like, well, you can't actually play it. You can just see a nice listing of it. So like, it's a funny, like middle ground. I'm still in the position where I think this is like a, like, obviously, right. The reason this plan exists is because the the music labels and the industry have come up with these alternative tiers for royalties, where if you don't have a fully featured application with a full library and saving offline, blah, 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 blah you can offer people subscriptions at lower rates and so amazon's done this with the echo where they have the single device plan which is 3.99 a month for one echo and you can basically pay anything but you have to speak to a single echo to do it and now apple's in with the same kind of thing which is for 4.99 a month you can do voice commands for apple music on any device or, or attached to your uh, account so you any so it's, it's it's not a family sharing it's individual but you can do five devices six devices anything attached to your personal apple id so just in t- if you're using it on more than one device it's better value than the amazon thing which is 3.99 just for one speaker mm-hmm. so if you've got a house for a home pods you can just pay 4.99 and stream that way but i mean for 4.99 extra you can get like the app experience so I, i'm a bit conflicted about whether i think people are actually going to use this plan long term or not yeah like the, the, the well uh the, the way that i see this plan is well, two things. One is a concern that is Apple offering. You know how they, you know the, the idea of good, better, best. Is, are they are they offering something that's sub good, less than good um, with this plan? Um, for you know, regardless of the amount that it costs. But but on the other side of that is if I were to gift my dad and stepmom a HomePod Mini for say Christmas, that is a gift that kind of requires a, a, a monthly subscription to really use and that's you know you you pay more for the year for the subscription for ten dollars a month than you would for the actual speaker um and so that's kind of an imbalance and by having you know for sixty dollars a year you can use the full features of of the home pod you know you, there's no situation that you need anything more than the voice plan for the HomePod that I can think of, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that there's been. Well, I mean, there's niche benefits of that that are not, you know, limited to just the app UI. But you're going to have a, a good experience with the HomePod and a voice plan if that's the place where you interact with music. Um, if you never bother playing music on your phone or or, or somewhere else, then um, you won't. And maybe you could even take the behavior of, you know, oh, I'm learning to talk to Siri to play music on the HomePod let me do the exact same behavior on the iPhone in the car. And now I, you know, benefit from that as well. Um, and, and I, I'm the person who would go in and like, I want to make sure that my library is populated with every music I will ever want to call up. Um, but I can definitely see like family just, you know, it's Siri or nothing. It's voice control or nothing. There's, there's no interest in learning an app UI and, um, and, and the whole process. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think Apple is like, you know, going to promote this plan left away from Sunday. They're offering it because they feel like everybody else is going to offer something of a similar class, so they have to be in the game, which is fair enough. Uh, Like, you know, Apple basically matches feature for feature with competing services, apart from the fact that they don't offer a ad-supported option. So any paid plan, Apple basically has an alternative to, whether you're talking about student, family, individual, uh, etc. And now, obviously, they've got the voice plan too. If they wanted to like juice the deal up a bit, maybe they could throw in some stuff that 
like some of their other services like maybe you could do like a 9.99 plan which like maybe an apple one basic which was like the voice plan and then tv plus or something on its own and then you could get more value out of it because for just 4.99 a month compared to 9.99 it's like I just feel like you're getting a lot more utility out of playing music. Because if I had the 499 voice plan, every day I'd just be frustrated that I couldn't just like search for an artist in the music app and just press it to go, you know? So if you are if you are in an only HomePod exclusive environment where that's the only place you want to listen to music, then this is fine. But most people that have got HomePods are also going to want to be listening when they're walking around outside or, you know, going for a jog or a run and stuff. So it feels niche and almost just like a pseudo secondary trial so like you've had your free trial of the full service and now you can pay a little bit you know you can pay a a couple of dollars to try out apple music for the first time for a little while and then you realize that you want it or not and if you do want it then you'll upsell to the 999 plan like that'd be my expectation is that most people who get the 499 plan end up on the 999 plan or the family plan eventually this is just like an on-ramp and and it's worth mentioning that there are other plans that have the same price with more features so if you're in college you can you can have the student plan which yeah the is- student plan is 499 and it's exactly the same as the normal 999 plan in terms of functionality and you also get tv plus thrown in as well so 499 you get apple music individual and tv plus but obviously if you're not a student that's not available to you would you like the tv app better if it was voice only <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't even you couldn't even watch the content. <laughs> no, I mean the UI of the TV app. I mean, you you could never be fresher with a bad UI if there was no UI. I mean, a UI is better than a bad UI, I guess. So, Eddie know. Murphy thinking mean. <laughs> uh, the other interesting thing in fifteen point two, there's legacy contacts now. So this is obviously digital legacy has been a big theme of everybody for a long time, and it's becoming ever more important as people start to die you know that have grown up in the internet age and just like we're talking about photos the importance of uh you know archive photos before for an individual well what happens if you were to tragically die or something have you told somebody your password do they have a back access to backups of your photo libraries that you want them to have like that's a big question and a place where up until now apple hasn't had a great solution well with the legacy contacts feature i think they have a decent option so before Similar to the uh, Apple support thing where if you get to the right person on like fourth level tier support, they can probably restore your photos remotely, even though it's not like advertised as a service. There was a similar thing for if you've passed away and your family members want to access your data, uh, you could petition Apple with a death certificate and several other forms of ID and it would take several months and you'd have to go through support chains after support chains. But eventually you'd be able to find someone who's authorized to give you access to somebody's iCloud account to get their photos and, and whatever else um but now there's like an official process through this legacy contacts feature so you set it up proactively obviously before you die so you go into settings and legacy contacts add a new one and then basically you choose somebody uh that you want to be your legacy contact so i'll just uh for this example i'll say i'm choosing you as my legacy contact because it doesn't have to be your family it doesn't like it it defaults to the people in your family sharing group to pick from but you can choose anyone mm-hmm. and then so you choose somebody as search zach uh, zach will then receive a qr code with a number so like the qr code obviously encodes this like long authorization code that's also written at the bottom and so zach has to then keep that qr code safe for the rest of his life because the only way that you can use legacy contacts is that when i die you go to apple with the qr code uh that basically proves that i've given you permission and you also need my death certificate so if somebody steals the qr code 
they're not actually going to get anything from it they need they need death certificate as well so then you go through like this apple website where you submit the death certificate and you submit the qr code and then apple will be able to automatically give you access to my data and i think the way it works is that they don't give you direct access to the apple id they like copy all of the information off of the apple id onto another account which you can then get the password for and log into so it's basically formalizing again a process that they've had like in a non-official capacity for a long time but now there's like a direct way that you can do this practically you can set it up and presumably in time when people are going around setting up wills and stuff one of the things in the checklist will be make sure all your digital accounts you've also got legacy contact codes set up so somebody can take over your account when you when you pass away mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah, pretty um, cool it's good that they're doing this though yeah i when my um my grandma my, my my dad's mom passed away i managed her apple id for her like bought her the iphone the ipad and set up the apple id and everything um so when she passed away it was easy for me to to then you know with, i mean i had her permission to, to manage her data then and so it was easy for me to say okay now what are the photos that are in her library that i want to you know keep um now recent recent developments maybe I haven't been the best steward of, of those photos but anyway um, it was it was really nice to be able to have her address book, her contacts, be able to, to reach out to people and say, you know, thank you for, um, you know, what you've done. And it's really helpful. My my aunt has me on Facebook as her legacy contact for 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 Facebook, and so I sent her the link to our story on how to set this up and said, you know, how you use this for Facebook. Apple now has a version of it too, um, and uh, it it is one of those things where, like backups, you don't want to you don't want to not do it. You want to you want to be thoughtful about it. Yeah, for sure. And then some other stuff in 50.2. There's hide my email now from within the email app. Uh, so this launched with I was 15.0, but only when you're like on in Safari or logging into an account and you didn't want to give this website your actual email address, you could make a fake relay email address without using sign in with Apple. Just any any URL form where you're putting on an email account, you can relay it through an Apple private one. Well, that didn't actually exist in the actual apple mail app until this release and now in this release when you're replying to somebody you can reply from your actual email accounts or you can do a a private hidden alias if you want to so just an extension of that feature and that feature i believe doesn't even require icloud plus it's just available to anybody um so you don't need to pay for icloud if you want to do that uh the uh iphone 13 macro toggles now there in the camera app which is something we obviously talked about in the show before but that's great they finally added that now uh and then a couple of other little tidbits you can search your playlists inside the music app now. So that's a nice little feature they've added. So search songs on, say you have a hundred song playlist. You can search for a specific song or artist on that playlist now. Yeah, you're like filtering that only that from that screen. So basically you go to the music app, you find a playlist, you swipe down and there's a search bar now that wasn't there before. So you can search just that playlist content. Whereas before you'd have to search your entire library. Um, so that's a nice addition. And they've got a, a sort of hot corners feature on the iPad, kind of. So obviously hot corners on the Mac, you basically choose any left, right, top, right, top, right, bottom corner of the screen where you hold the mouse and you can have something happen. Well, it's not quite that um, detailed or fine grained on the iPad, but basically for the left and right corner swipe, uh, which previously was always dedicated to uh, the quick note feature. Well, now you can actually choose what you want to do. So you can say for either the left and the right corner, you can you can activate quick note, you can take a screenshot or you can do nothing. So if you really hate QuickNote and you've been accidentally activating it all the time, you can just turn it off altogether. If you don't like QuickNote but you want a screenshot, you can change it to the screenshot action instead, which is nice. And these are the bottom corners, 
the bottom corners, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. the top corners are pretty much tied to notification center and control center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. think, but yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah, because that, I mean, this is a continuing issue for iOS and iPadOS in general is that Apple's exhausted all corners and all side swipes of the screen now with all sorts of multitasking or notifications or cross-center So, like, if you're thinking iOS 69, 17, iOS 18, they kind of run out of obvious places to put more system gestures, which I feel like they're going to run into an issue eventually. But because we're kind of at breaking point right now. Yeah. Do you use hot corners, the, the proper feature on the Mac? Um, I did for a while where I'd have like the bottom corners uh, sleep the display and go to like a screensaver or something, but I just stopped using it. So I, I personally don't use hot corners. I It's one of the first things I set up. And I can't happily use my Mac without hot corners. Um, I use three of the four. I don't use the top left one where the Apple button is because I go to click that and then I activate that hot corner usually. But top right is notification center because that's where, you know, the button for it was. And I guess now it's the date, but that's what opens it. But I would never look at notification center or widgets if not for that hot corner because it's it's very seamless to just throw the cursor over there and then it opens. Um Bottom right, I use for show desktop because it's just so intuitive. It's like move the windows out of the screen. I just want to see the files on the desktop. And then you you know go back and it, to that hard corner and it brings your windows back. And then bottom um, bottom left, I use for Launchpad, which I actually use Launchpad. But um, it's it's sort of the you know like like the Windows model of start. I, I, I use it. I put it there because that's what the Launchpad icon was before the Launchpad icon was bad, and I had to remove it from the dock um and hot corner replaced it but um and, and with launchpad you know if you open launchpad and just like type in a, a letter it'll begin searching without you having to go to the search field mm-hmm. it, it's not a bad feature <laughs> it could be better but it's not a bad feature but those those are my hot corners i couldn't live without yeah i mean the launchpad needs work but i don't think the idea was terrible it's just been undeveloped from the original mediocre implementation yeah and I think if you get better touch tool, you can set up the MacBook Pro notch as a hot corner as well. So you oh can my have gosh. the four corners and the, and, the, and the middle notch as well, which is quite Wow, fun. cool. Yeah. Uh, Happy Hour is also brought to you by Ladder. You know, I've actually started wearing glasses last week, and it was just a reminder that, yeah, I'm getting older. I have to think about old people's stuff, and things like life insurance somehow feel a lot more relevant than they ever did before. Life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. Ladder has taken the life insurance industry, modernised it for a digital world, and shook out all of the inefficiencies. As you're reminded just how fragile life is, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. You just pay a little bit each month to protect the ones that you'll love. If you're thinking about this stuff, then why not use Ladder for your next life insurance plan? Ladder is a 100% digital service, when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors to talk to, no needles and no paperwork to fill out. It's all done online. You just need a phone or a laptop to apply. You fill out Ladder's application form and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you are approved. If you do prefer to talk to a real person, Ladder has a team of licensed agents to discuss your options with and they don't work on commission-based pay. So that means they're there to help you and not to upsell you. Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. And you can even get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. 
Ladders policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure, but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you get older, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's ladderlife.com slash happy hour. L-A-D-D-E-R l-i-f-e dot com slash happy hour one more time ladderlife.com slash happy hour thanks to ladder for sponsoring the show we are also sponsored this week by a logic to celebrate the launch of their new blaze docks and hubs so for a limited time you can get 10 percent off using promo code a logic 10 even more 95 mac is also giving away apple's latest gen 14 inch MacBook pro to one lucky reader again courtesy of a logic so a little bit about these docks. The new Thunderbolt 4 Blaze docking stations and hubs feature up to three USB-C Thunderbolt downstream ports that support exceptionally fast data transfer speeds up to 40 gigabits per second, enabling daisy chaining to other Thunderbolt accessories and even connecting up to two 4K at 60Hz external displays. And they have even more connectivity in these docks. In addition to the three USB-C ports, there are three 3.1 Gen 2 USB-A ports, that's 10 gigabit per second speeds, and also one USB 2.0 USB-A port for mobile device charging. The Blaze hubs also feature up to 96-watt power delivery, to, so you can quickly charge your laptop. Plus, you get gigabit Ethernet, 3.5mm headphone jack, and an SD card reader to quickly move big multimedia files off of cameras. And all of this I.O. is contained in a slim but premium aluminium enclosure. So you can get 10% off the new Blaze Dock and Hub on Alogic's website using our promo code ALOGIC10, and don't forget to hit up the link in the show notes where you can also enter to win Apple's new MacBook Pro. Once again, that's promo code ALOGIC10, A-L-O-G-I-C-1-0. Thanks to ALOGIC for sponsoring the show. Also new this week, uh, Apple released a new Android app. What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have. And you can tell they've really, they've really gone all out on quality here. Because they have today, or this week, released the incredibly polished, incredibly modern and sophisticated Apple Tracker Detect app for Android. Tractor Detect? <laughs> tracker Detect. Tracker Detect. Not not AirTag or not Find My. No, no. It's the Tracker Detect app. Like the most <laughs> generic brand name thing in the entire world. And, what's, and this is the app that they promised, first promised back in June, which is addressing some of the um, privacy concerns people had that... Uh, if you are an iPhone user, you get the alerts on your device that an unknown AirTag is following you around. Uh, but if you are an Android person, you have no way to do that. Uh, and so Apple was like, don't worry, we'll have an app out at the end of the year that will help you find this stuff. And this is their solution. It is the most bare bones, minimum effort thing I think they could possibly do. So it does detect both AirTags and other devices that work on the Find My Network, like those bikes, for instance, that are out now. Um, or the Chipolo tag, right? The the air tag of or those so any headphones device, from, uh, from Belkin. Yeah, those headphones, that whatever they're called, I can't remember. Um, the bow, are they bows? I think they're bows. They're Belkin. Belkin, that's it. I was getting mixed up. Uh, so it will detect either air tags or those Find My stuff, right? But the way that you have to do it is, you with an iPhone, the iPhone will proactively let you know if an unknown item is traveling with you, right? It will give you a notification. You can act on it. You can choose to ignore it. You can do whatever you want. But with Apple's Android app, you have to have the app open and constantly search for stuff around you. So it's incredibly proactive. 
and basically incredibly annoying to the point where no one's ever going to do it. Like, what you, <laughs> you're just going to walk around with a tracker detect app open every day of your life and scan. I guess if you have a inkling that somebody's doing something nefarious, you can kind of use that to get some peace of mind. But it doesn't feel like a, you know, it feels more like lip service than actually fixing a problem here. You know what I mean? Because mm. if I was if I was the Android user in this equation, and I was worried about people just putting an air tag on my on my possessions and following me around i wouldn't be satisfied with this as a solution like i don't think the issue is incredibly ginormous because like again it always comes back to the argument you could always buy other gps trackers or whatever that cost about the same and don't have any mitigations for telling people that they're being stalked at all and they don't make a noise if they're away from the phone for a day or so right so but if you're if you're just worried about like the air tag situation the the apple tracker detect app is probably not going to do you any good. And what's kind of hilarious is, in the time since AirTag has come out, which is what only like March of this year, an entire subcategory of third-party AirTag detection apps has popped up on Android. And like, if you search AirTag in uh, the Google Play Store, there's like ten results to up before Apple's Tracker Detect app. And those apps have background detection. They have a much prettier UI. They send you oh proactive notifications when when air tags are nearby. Like, they're so much more feature rich than what the Apple official version is. But it's just a funny, a funny situation. I wonder if Apple's not using AirTag or Find My in the name to to avoid confusion that there's Android support for such a thing. Maybe, yeah. Like, I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be like a fully featured Find My app, so that's yeah. why they haven't called it Find My. But I feel like they could maybe call it like find my detector like just tracker detector is so generic like it's really weird but like and even when you launch the app the 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 first like screen in the app is tracker detect looks for item trackers that are separated from the owner and that are compatible with apple's find my network so they're they're up front and talking about like the find my stuff so i don't know why it's not called like find my detector or something just calling it tracker detector is almost it's almost like they don't want you to find it i don't know it's a weird a weird choice of name not that find my is a great name anyway yeah, I mean, that is true, but at but least we've that's grown the on name, it. You know? yeah. yeah. And also, there's been, even more recently, a lot of hoo-ha about like people using AirTags to help steal cars. Uh, this is just a funny story, because like the, the, the involvement of the AirTag itself is quite low. So the actual story here, because the headline is like, thieves are using AirTags to steal cars. But I was like, how on earth are they... Like, what, what, what facility does the AirTag contribute to that? So the actual story is, thieves are looking around for expensive vehicles that, they, that are worth stealing in a area, right? Wherever, you know, in a state. And if they see one in a parking lot, what they're doing is they're hiding an air tag in the place where you put the the fuel. You know, like the fuel, the, like the little cap that you unload to put the fuel in. Like that. They're hiding the air tag in the they little cap. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't drive, so I'm... Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to think, what you would you just call it a fuel cap? I don't know what you'd call it, like... Mm. Like the thing you pop off to where you put the uh, petrol in at the at the at the petrol station. The petrol station, yeah, yeah, that's very American. You put the petrol in your cart and you dispatch it to your wagon. I'm sure there's an official name for the thing that you take off the side, but I don't know. I just call it the gas tank, and then there's the, yeah. So uh, the, the door, the, to the, it. not the like the, the 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 bit that pops in and out. That thing they're hiding an air tag in there, so then they can track the car back to where it gets parked eventually at the end of the day. And then at night time, they can follow the car back home. So they're like, okay, we know there's a nice vehicle that's worth stealing here. But that's where the involvement of the AirTag ends because the actual theft happens 
by the thieves using an electronic device that reprograms car keys, which then allows a the car key that isn't a that isn't the original owner's car key, but is the one that the thieves have. It's using that to actually unlock the car and drive away. So the actual theft is the fact that these thieves have the ability to make keys that can just drive any car that they want. The air tag is almost like irrelevant, but of course. The air tag is the thing that gets the headlines. So. Right. The thief could just look for a nice neighborhood and drive around and find the target. Yeah, like, the funniest thing about the story is, like, it was like, air tag helping car theft, air tag helping people steal stuff. And then you read the story, and, like, this incredible vulnerability is that the thieves can basically make their own car keys and reprogram them to open pretty much any car they want. But no, that's that's just put to the wayside as like a oh yeah that ha- that has to exist in the world that's just how it is. But no, the air tags are the new technology ruining everything. That's just what made me laugh about. They that, could even cause... take the cars right then and there and don't don't bother with the air tag. Yeah, it's a look. My, my gas tank locks, so my car is locked. It's locked. But I was I was thinking though, there's always like this area between the windshield and the, and the back window, um, and the hood and the trunk, and that's an easy place to just kind of slide something in, and it would probably stay there. But also. That's like the least important part of the story. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Obviously, I don't want to um, completely squash on people that maybe have been subject to some sort of crime because the air tags assisted, right? Like, but all technology can be used in good and bad ways, and there's a lot of ganging up on these like air tags as if they're you know as if Apple's trying to give a lifeline to criminals. But they've all, as we've discussed so many times, they've gone to such great lengths to stop them being from being misused far more than any other bluetooth tracker that's existed far more than any other gps tracker that exists that are readily available to buy right but the apple one gets all the headlines for being like bad for whatever reason like what's apple supposed to do like if you've got a track if you've got a bluetooth tracker that can help you detect lost items there's not much more they can do to cripple the thing before it's useless right like i'm already annoyed that the the trackers are too annoying at alerting you that other stuff's nearby like if you if you have family members and things and you have your own tracker but then you go away for two days by the time you come back the thing will be beeping like crazy and it'll be like where's my owner where's my owner it's like that's annoying and that's that's diminishing the actual functionality of the tracker because of this like hypothetical risk that it might be misused by somebody or you know used in a crime so mm-hmm. like i don't know what more they want apple to do apart from not sell a thing which is just a stupid premise so i don't know it's yeah. like and, and did, did you see where tile was acquired by this company life 360 which you know probably AirTag did not help them maintain being their own company, but they were bought by Live360. And then a few weeks later, there's this story out that Live360 um, will sell location data of its users to anyone. Like that, that's, that, that's kind of what you think about as what does the AirTag do differently aside from all the same feature sets. And, um, you know, it's, it's that you, you know Apple doesn't have a vested interest in selling data from an AirTag or, or even, you know, having data from an AirTag. Whereas if your whole business model is selling trackers, then maybe there is some, you know, at random aggregate data that that you could make money from. And that would be creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even Tile itself, like they would have to charge you a subscription to get all the features. Like the AirTags are a great consumer proposition because they're what they're like $30 each. And there's no there's no t- added subscription. If you if you're an iOS device family, they're just fantastic. I think mm-hmm. like easy stocking stuff. Or if you're looking for a last minute present you idea, fit, you can like, fit a lot into a stocking. Yeah. Take, yeah. take them out of the box, <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're tiny little things like and they are genuinely useful. And if you got them at release day around March, by about March time, the uh, batteries will be wearing out. But you don't even have to buy a whole new tracker. You can just get another little 
a cell battery and plug them in and use them. So I think the AirTag is a great idea. Like, I, I just I, if people want to keep bringing up these stories about them being <laughs> like used in these esoteric minor assistance in these crimes, like just come with an idea about what you want Apple to do to fix it. You know, like what? Give us an example of something more they could do that they're not already doing to defend against the the bad cases, right? Like. Because I feel like they've, you know, isn't they've they've released an Android app, even though it could be slightly better, right? But the, the, you know, the thing beeps if you leave it for a thing, for so many hours, and then after the original rounds of controversy in like June time, they reduced the timeout, so it now beeps even sooner. Before it was like three days, now it's like less than a day, and they have the thing where it alerts all the iPhone users nearby. Like I don't know more, more what they can what they could do to make people happy. It just people just like using the AirTag as like a a scapegoat for oh modern crime and apple hates everybody or something to that to that nature i don't know it annoys me every time i see an air tag in a headline about that stuff because i can tell they are trying to do the right thing like they, and they've done so many policy changes to do that but they still get rolled through the coals over it even though in this exact story the main issue is that thieves are just making reprogrammable car keys it's like the vulnerabilities in the cars guys not in the uh not in the air tag Anyway, that was a bit of a rant, but I think you get my point. It was. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Headspace. Meditation can help relieve stress and anxiety. And in just a few minutes, you can change your relationship to stress and transform your life for the better. If you find your thoughts running in endless circles, try meditating using Headspace. Meditation sounds scary and hard to get into. Our own thoughts can be confusing enough. But meditation doesn't have to be, and Headspace makes it so easy. Headspace is a convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises. These programs make it easy to give you a moment to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. You can sign up at headspace.com slash Mac. With science to back it up, Headspace is proving that meditation works. A study showed that in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your personal stress levels by 14%. Headspace has sessions for every situation. And it can help you feel better for real. Feeling overwhelmed? There's a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, where you can try out a wind-down or relaxation session. And if you're a parent with kids, you can even choose meditations that are designed for the whole family to get involved in the morning. I signed up on their website and they do a really nice job of guiding you into the world of meditation. It's super easy to get started. There's no expectation of commitment. In fact, I personally just love these little mini meditations they have, which just give you space for a quick breath and a moment of mindfulness to yourself. It's like a dose of peace amongst the daily chaos of life. And it's not a complicated routine. You just follow along with the instructor with some simple breath exercises for, you know, one or two minutes, chilled and relaxing. And as you get comfortable with the shorter exercises, you can explore the entire catalogue, which feature much longer meditation sessions, of course. Once you have a Headspace account, you can use the app on iPhone, Android, or on the web. So find some Headspace at headspace.com slash Mac and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash Mac today. One more time, that's headspace.com slash Mac. All right, macOS 12.1 is out this week. This is the update that I believe fixes all my problems with group FaceTime. And it also introduces SharePlay proper to the Mac. So SharePlay has been available um, on iOS 15.1 for iPhone and iPad, and uh, and e- even on Apple TV, and and now it's available on the Mac. So if you're using a FaceTime call, either one on one or a group FaceTime call, you can you can now uh, use SharePlay, which works with the Music app and um, other other apps. So Music is where I see it the most so far. Yep. 
Um, how, how did this update go for you on your on your on your computer? Well, I think we spoke about on the show before where like Mac updates always seem to take forever, and so I was kind of half hoping that the incredibly powerful Apple Silicon M1 Max architecture would uh, help that out, but uh, not really. <laughs> it still took forever it took like t- half an hour to prepare the update after it finished downloading it took like another half an hour to install so that's where it's just on the black screen with the white bar like i don't know why these updates take so long but they, but they do and as good as apple silicon is this is one area where the status quo remains the status quo and- I, I saw a tweet too saying uh so- someone saying xcode is also not not any faster to um uh, unpack with unzip yeah, yeah that takes with the m1x M1 and if you remember mac os big sur one of its like headline features was faster software and system updates and the entire we've now we're now through the entire run of mac os big sur and i feel like that never materialized into something that i actually noticed no it so, did it just would have been a lot slower otherwise yeah maybe it'd be even slower <laughs> yeah. okay point taken yeah yeah the big news on the mac side this week well the, the big, big disappointment i guess on the mac side this week is Universal Control is officially delayed. So obviously it wasn't showing up in the beta as we knew it wasn't coming out in 12.1 because it wasn't even like up for testing in the beta. It was always hidden away. And then it got that beta label added to it a few releases ago in the, in the beta seeds. Uh, but now Apple's updated the website. So the feature is officially now delayed, quote, until the spring. And the spring can last to like June technically. So we could be another six months away from, from seeing this thing in for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a funny thing. Like, I, I, I'll use it occasionally, I'm sure, but it's not like a thing where I'm like dying for it to exist because I don't like you when I'm using my iPad, I'm using my iPad, when I'm using my laptop, and use my laptop. Uh, so, being able to cross over seamlessly, it's a nice thing, and definitely some people will be much more mobile and you know coming to the office and changing rooms and stuff like that. But for for me personally, it doesn't like I'm not going to be jumping on this feature as soon as it's available. I want to try it out because it looks cool, but. Day to day, I don't think I'm going to get so much use out of it, but it's just one of those things again where, like, they didn't have to promise it for this year, <laughs> right? They didn't. They, this was meant to, like originally promised a 12.0 Mac OS 12.0. Was the demo real or was that just totally canned? Did they have? A oh, you mean did they like completely fake the uh, the video? Yeah, they could have done. They could have done. Like, the, I mean, the the technical feature, as as cool as it is, it's not that complicated in reality. Like. I'm, and I'm not saying that there are, there are any problems with it and it's not going to be hard, right? And I'm, I'm like, oh, I could have implemented it in two minutes. No, that's not true at all. But I don't think it's something they'd have to completely fake because at the end of the day, you're just relaying, like, mouse movements to an iPad, right? So I'm sure they could get it working in test conditions for a demo, but just the f- making it work reliably all the time for all different types of people is probably where it gets, you know, a bit hairy and they probably hit yeah. some edge cases which they need to resolve. Yeah, and, and and it's also between Mac and Mac, um, which, which is, can be useful as they, as they've shown. So I think I think this features a really nice quality of life improvement. Where if you know you're in that you've got a setup already, I'm not sure that you would go and change your setup just to be able to use Universal Control. But if you're right. already using the devices in in the way that it's supported, then it's like all of a sudden there's this big restriction lifted from you, which is you keep your hands on one mouse and keyboard and you can control everything around you. So, um, but but obviously harder harder to, to pull off than than not. Um, and also this update, what, what was what did come was the fix for sort of the, the 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 new MacBook Pros. So this was the fix for the notch obscuring things in the menu bar, I believe, and also the MagSafe mm-hmm. charging issue um, that happened. So this is the specifically the the MacBook Pro update as well. 
And then there was a corresponding TVOS 15.2 update for the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. This actually had... I didn't know... I, this was a bit of a surprise to me. We hadn't been following the TV updates, but there were a couple of interesting things in there. So, uh, firstly, they had the TV app changes, which we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, about how now there's a dedicated store tab for iTunes Store content, um, and they've... Uh, on the iPad, you get a sidebar. But what's also nice, and this is especially relevant on the TV experience because the, the Apple TV UI is different to like iPad and iPhone in terms of the TV app. So on the Apple TV app version of the Apple TV service now, uh, such an annoying name, The <laughs> you used to have like a top bar which would have watch now and then it'd be like Apple TV Plus, then it'd have like movies, TV shows, kids, sports and search, right? That'd be like along the top bar. But now they've got the dedicated store tab, uh, they've reduced the top bar to just watch now, Apple TV Plus, store and search. And so, because basically the, the TV shows and movies tab would essentially just be iTunes store content. Like they did feature some Apple Apple originals occasionally, but it was mostly just the iTunes store content, but only movies or the iTunes store content with only TV shows. And I think most people going to the Apple TV app these days are going for the Apple exclusive stuff. I think the number of people buying and renting films and and TV shows is increasingly small and diminishing. Like, so I, I I'm the opinion they should always prioritize the streaming stuff first. And to date, they haven't done that too much. But this is a change in the right direction because now it's much more clarified. Like, it's a lot harder to get lost in store content when two of the tabs that used to be about the store are now gone. So now you just have the um the iTunes store stuff in the store tab. Like they still have the recommendations of iTunes store content in watch now. And I think over time that's going to slowly be reduced. So they're going to focus on streaming stuff, but mm-hmm. just the fact that they've, re- they've removed two tabs that could get you lost. If you were just coming to Apple TV plus stuff is a good change from the perspective of people that only want to watch Apple TV plus. And then the other stuff that's new in this update, they have new screensavers. So if you use the aerial screensaver, which always looks stunning on the Apple TV, they have some surprise new ones featuring uh, Iceland and Scotland, which is cool. And then in the Photos app, so do you remember with iOS 15, they introduced that like new memory stuff to the iPhone? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, and the Mac as well. So they've changed it up. You've got new memories categories. You have more like a a more dynamic, like before it was like the old version of memories was like generated videos that you just watched to completion and that was it. Whereas now they've been a bit more interactive because they have like little thumbnails at the bottom. You can skip ahead or you can swap between them. So they're more like interactive slideshows. Well, that experience has now been brought to the Apple TV as well, which is cool. And they've re- they've changed up the home screen of the uh, Photos app on the Apple TV. So before, it would default to your library. So you'd get like a thumbnail grid of app of, of, of thumbnails from your library, right? And you could scroll back. And then memories would be like the tab, like the third tab along. Well, with the introduction of the new memory stuff, they flipped it on its head. So now the default tab in the Photos app on Apple TV is memories. And they've changed it to almost be like a, st- a mini streaming service UI because you have like your favorites and then they have a literal watch now row, which is just all the generated memories that you can like flip through and remove or, that's or favorite. W- that's way more in line with how people probably use the, the photos app on, on on the Apple TV. I wonder if the Apple TV has all my photos backed up somewhere. <laughs> you could open it up and see. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they've, they've, they've changed that up so it much better reflects like what people want to do when they're browsing mm-hmm. photos on the tv like all the library stuff's still there it's just not the default tab anymore and the memories experience is greatly improved which is nice yeah very nice and then finally news wise this week joel padoni i wanted you to pronounce it 
Because I don't know. <laughs> Joel, I don't know if that's right. Padoni? Joel Padoni? Yep. I'm going Padoni. Okay. Uh, if you don't know the name, that is the Apple University Dean. So way back in like 2008, as Jobs was first considering his succession planning, um, he wanted to imbue Apple culture uh, for the rest of time, basically. So they set up an internal university, which is basically a load of training programs or guidance and like videos and sessions uh, that would that future executives and VPs could watch and learn from to get the to try and continue Apple's culture of decision making and focus and refinement for you know decades to come. And they hired uh, Joe Padoni. He used to be the dean of Yale, the Yale School of Business Management. Uh, they they hired him away to kind of run the program. But thirteen years later, he has now decided to leave Apple. So. If you're worried about the future of uh, mm-hmm. Apple's culture maintenance, uh, I guess you have to hope that the Apple University is in a good place to continue. Because oh, hopefully the, it worked. The, oh yeah, or hopefully it worked. Because hopefully the Apple University has trained Joel Padoni's replacement, for instance. Yeah, uh, Mark, Mark Grimmett and Bloomberg had this story this week, and um, so, so the, the story goes that he left earlier this year to join an unnamed startup. So that's interesting. Um, especially if you think about, uh, you know, remote learning and everything, I, I really, I'm curious what that, what that startup is. Um, but then his, yeah, his replacements are two. Um, he, he's replaced not by one, but by two people who were also unnamed, but they were people who reported to him. Um, and now they had, now Apple university has codeines. Um, so, so that's it. And also, um, do you remember years ago he was on the leadership page? Um, and, and then he was off the leadership page when they added some new vice presidents. Mm-hmm. But then we, you know, asked Apple and they said, well, his job's the same. He's just not on the page anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that was about four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when, um, that's when Johnny Ive first started his succession planning yeah. in Richard Howorth and Alan Dye. To, that was the first time they appeared on the leadership page. And then obviously Johnny Ive was like, oh, I've changed my mind. I'm going to stay for a bit longer. So they got kicked off the leadership page. Yeah. And then Johnny Ive eventually quit, uh, obviously, a year and then, ago. And, the, and then Evans Hankey, she took over for, uh, what, industrial design? Yeah. And then, and then uh, what? Who, who's, which of the two ended up being software design? Alan Dye. Alan Dye's the software guy. Okay. Yeah. And Howarth, Howarth's still at the company, but he, he doesn't, they don't really talk about him and for some like that was a weird thing with that changeover is that for a while it was like Alan Dye and Richard Howarth are the future of Apple design and then when Johnny Ive decided oh I'm not done yet they like kicked uh, <laughs> they kicked him off and Howarth hasn't really had the same um, presence again like Dye gets the featuring like do you remember the um, uh, the Mac OS um, was it B- it was Big Sur that did the big redesign, right? Like That's the right. recent redesign. Yeah. So when they did the Big Sur introduction, they had uh, Alan Dye narrate a big long thing about you know this is the software ethos, this is the ecosystem. But Howarth is just back under the covers as one of the you know essentially anonymous Apple designers. <laughs> and the sad state of affairs is the Apple leadership page continues to feature zero of the design team. Mm-hmm. Like even Evans Hankey doesn't get a mention on that page, right? Is... And and she was recently in, um, it was Hype Beast magazine. They did a they did a, a piece on Apple Watch bands specifically. So which, which uh, I, I thought and Wallpaper a... had a uh, a look inside uh, the Apple Design Studios, and that featured mm-hmm. some little interviews with Hankey and stuff. That's actually a really good article. If you haven't seen that, check out the Wallpaper article. There's not like any crazy like revelations in it. They just show you some nice photos of like them 
doing some prototyping of stuff. Yeah, they have giant Apple Watch band connectors. Did you see that photo? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they have like 20 different colors of iPhone all laid on the table. Or they had like one person mani- hand manufacture about 10 different samples of the triple camera system on the rear of the phone just to see what it looked like and like compare it and stuff. Like, that's like a whole different world, a whole different universe. Like, you got the, this is like a complete separation <laughs> from the troubles of real life. You just got someone, you know, manually putting together like some iPhone cameras, like a jeweler. Yeah. But, but by the way, speaking of, of design, um, and Johnny, I've, I'm looking over at my, my bookshelf and um, there's something that I, I had years ago that's every year it gets more valuable, which is the Design by Apple in California book by Johnny Ive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. Apple sold for a short time. I haven't opened it up, but it's on display. I mean, I haven't opened it up recently, but I probably have. But yeah, I, th- I think we talked about this time that I ever quit the company, but I do think it's kind of crazy they don't have like a VP of design or like someone of that stature even listed on the leadership page like for for apple as the company it was very strange they don't have one person mentioned as like the design team you know yeah. before like i would be on that i was literally on that page for like 20 years and then when they first wanted to do the succession plan they got to both of them and they got out of software and rich Hover for hardware but then the new succession planning it's like they don't even get don't even get a single mention on the page which seems kind of crazy to me and just in terms of like the company's priorities you know yeah. All right. Well, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. You can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. It's A P O L O Z A C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B Z A M A O. And you can email us together at Happy Hour at 95 Is that it? Is that it? Is that, that is it? it? Yeah. Okay. Happy, Happy Hour at 95 At 95 We both get that. That's great. Hey, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you prefer to listen to the ad free version of this podcast, you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts for $4.99 per month, and uh, you'll see the uh, ad free version. And we appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors. It helps us continue doing this show. We love doing it. We love listening. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. So um, please reach out if, if you uh, are new or you've been listening for a long time. And uh, with that being said, we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.